Hey everybody, welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here and welcome to an episode with a leader that we've had on in the past. Her name is Dana Dornseif. She's the Chief Mission and Strategy Officer at Lazarex Cancer Foundation, a nationwide nonprofit organization that she founded in 2006. They have an incredibly unique mission uh, to improve cancer health outcomes, FDA cancer clinical trial diversity and enrollment, and patient access to, to really provide the assistance they need, especially to very vulnerable communities. So Dana, uh, such a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Saul. Much appreciated. Of course, of course. And, and so look, uh, uh, we're gonna leave uh, in the show notes the previous uh, uh, interview we did with we did with Dana about three to four years ago. But uh, really, Dana, to level set with folks, talk to us about you know what is it that inspired your work and what you do, and how is it that Lazarex is adding value to the healthcare ecosystem. Well, I'll start with the inspiration part, um, and sadly, you know, my inspiration came from. Um, a personal family experience with, with pancreatic cancer. Um, pancreatic cancer is a pretty dire um, cancer diagnosis. And my sister asked me when her husband Mike was diagnosed if I would take on um, looking into clinical trials for mm -hmm. Mike because we knew that Mike wouldn't get different results or probably wouldn't have different results if we did the same thing everyone else did. So with my background in, in design, I uh, said, sure, I'll take that on because I figured how, <laughs> how difficult could it be, right? And yeah. oh my goodness, I, it was a whole new world. And, you know, five weeks later, I emerged with a list of potential trials uh, that Mike might benefit from and could qualify for. And um, I was, I was just struck by how difficult that was and that the majority of people who are in this situation have to do it themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my first aha moment. And then we got Mike en enrolled in a trial and every other week, my sister was calling me, we have to pay for this, we have to pay for that. Mike has to go here and go, you know, and it was just constant. And I I just thought, my goodness, you know, how how do most people do this? And the answer is they don't. Yeah. And the only reason really that Mike was able to take advantage of medical breakthroughs in technology in, in a clinical trial was because he had a family who could write a check. Hmm. And I just really felt that that was kind of, not kind of, was morally and fundamentally wrong. And that was really the genesis of, of Lazarus Cancer Foundation. And, you know, through through Mike's um, journey with his cancer, he would meet other cancer patients and share with them what he was doing in a clinical trial. And then they would say, oh, I, I want to do that, or I, I'd like the opportunity. And he would say, oh, just call my sister-in-law, Dana. She'll help <laughs> you. know, and it literally saw that's how it started. Wow. It, it was never, you know, there was no business plan um, it was just an organic thing that happened. And sadly, you know, 19 months later, which was a considerable time after he was originally, you know, predicted to survive, um, 
you know, we lost Mike, but the, my phone kept ringing. And, mm. you know, here we are almost 18 years later. So great that you did that for Mike. And look, you extended his life, I would say, and and then extended lives of many others now as a result. So so th so uh, just to so that the listeners get a feel for what it is that you guys do, can you give us the 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 latest and what makes you guys different in the area? So, you know, as a result of that personal experience, um, as soon as we established Lazarex, um, we provided clinical trial navigation, and then we um, offer financial assistance for the patient and a travel companion to cover the out-of-pocket travel expenses that truly are a burden for so many people who've experienced, you know, financial toxicity as a result of a, a cancer diagnosis. And um, initially we started out pancreatic cancer-centric, but then I quickly realized that it really wasn't about pancreatic cancer. It was really about metastatic cancer, where the, the opportunities for patients to successfully battle their disease are few, become few and far between. And clinical trials really uh, present a lifeline for metastatic cancer patients. So um, that's how we started. And, you know, here we are many years later, we served over 11,000 patients Amazing. in therapeutic cancer clinical trials. And then about um, six years ago, I was challenged by a cancer center director who said to me, you know, Dana, we're, we're really good once cancer patients are in the door. We know what to do. Where we struggle is getting patients to the door, especially okay. from underserved communities, right? Because there's, there's a whole nother level of barriers that exist there, you know, cultural, historical, language, um, socioeconomic, right? Yeah. And, um, and so he said, I, we really don't have the bandwidth or the budget to be able to adequately engage. And it would be awesome if someone, if someone could come up with, you know, a, a plan uh, to, to help engage uh, with these, our underserved communities. And so that really, for so many reasons, you know, that, that seed um, grew, sprouted and, and grew in my mind. And I realized that while we were, actively involved with a vast network of clinical trial sites around the country, um, where we really needed to be was in the community hmm. in order to start at the beginning of the cancer journey, right? And bring people along in their cancer journey in a place-based and culturally appropriate way so that if they were diagnosed with cancer, and if they needed to participate in a trial, it would be a natural progression yeah. of that journey and not, you know, coming in at the end, which happens so often. You know, pharma will just come in at the end and say, you know, hey, we want to offer you this clinical trial and, you know, we're here for you. And, and really, Saul, that's not true. 
Right. They're there for them because they need, you know, diversity in their clinical trials. And so my challenge to the pharmaceutical industry is, you know, you will get support from the community and they will. We know they will. They want to participate in clinical trials because they want to survive. Right. Yeah. But you have to be there when they need you in the beginning. Right. And so we started our, um, our program called the Cancer Wellness Hub uh, in 20, well, we developed it 2017, 2018 in West Philadelphia with Drexel University and a wonderful, incredible um, woman, Dr. Loretta Sweetemont. And um, we officially opened it in 2019. And since then, we've expanded to Los Angeles with USC Norris and here in the San Francisco East Bay with a group of uh, community organizations who've been serving their underserved communities for years and years. You begin before they actually get cancer, establish that trust, give them education. And then when it happens, it's a easy path, right? For them to, to, to feel like supported. Yes, I would agree. It, it is an easier path. Um, and, you know, what people don't realize is that 40% of cancers are actually preventable. You know, it's our lifestyle choices and diet choices that, that we're making um, that really do impact um, the ecosystem of cancer. And, you know, for many of us, we have access to, you know, screenings and health prevention, you know, prevention from disease. but a lot of our communities of color don't, mm -hmm. and they also are grappling with the socioeconomic issues, you know, even, even to be able to take a day off of work or a half a day off of work. And then, you know, the transportation required to, to get to an appointment for a, a screening or a, a checkup is, it's a burden financially, right? So, and if someone has to choose between do I feed my children or do I go to a, you know, a, a, a doctor's appointment? They're probably going to feed their children, yes. right? Yeah. So this is really uh, a grassroots effort to truly address cancer health disparities, health disparities in general, and improve cancer health outcomes for everyone. And, you know, it's something that COVID really brought to light, you know, the disparity um, with, with health, health disparity and also, um, you know, what clinical trials do, the value of clinical trials, but that they're not a reality for everyone. And that's our goal is to make that lifeline a reality for every person who's fighting uh, cancer. Yeah. That's fantastic, Dana. And it, so these programs that you have in LA and now in the in the in the Bay Area, are they sponsored by Pharma? They are. We awesome. have that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, I, I really feel like we've developed some very meaningful relationships with several pharmaceutical companies. Um, Amgen has been incredible in their support of us, and they're always the early adopters of our, our new ideas. And so that's, <laughs> that's, that's really exciting. You know, they're taking a chance on things yeah. that really haven't been proven or done before. Um, you know, so we need, um, 
companies like Amgen behind us so that we can get out there and try new things and get get new results, right? Um, CGEN's been incredible. Gilead here in the Bay Area has really helped us. You know, our, our cancer wellness hub in the East Bay wouldn't exist without Gilead um, in Philly, Merck, you know, is is really working with us. And now we've most recently engaged with BMS and Sanofi, um, hoping to bring them on in a bigger way. Um, you know, so there is a commitment there. However, we need, you know, we need to grow that commitment. Yeah. Right. That's great. Dana, thanks for sharing that. And kudos to all the companies and the leaders at those companies that see the vision, the importance of starting at the local level. Uh, so so big kudos to to all of you for teaming up with, with teams like Dana's to make a difference in these communities before it actually is needed. Uh, so, so inspiring to hear that. And hey, for those of you that haven't, um, it's not too late. <laughs> like there's still an opportunity for you to do more. This episode is is about awareness, awareness of, of these types of activities and initiatives that Dana and her team are up to so that you can do something about it. Um, Dana, if you had to leave the listeners with a call to action, what would you leave them with today? You know, the call to action that I have from a, um, a patient, caregiver, community perspective is that knowledge is power. And hopefully you will never be in a situation where you need the resources and services that we provide. But if you are, you will be ready to jump in and we will be ready to to support you um, through that journey, which is a very difficult journey. Um, but also, um, you know, I'm going to lay the challenge out there, Saul, to industry stakeholders that they really do need to step up we need to collectively solve this issue. And there's a disconnect between the amount of time that it actually takes to get the work done and the amount of financial resource that it actually takes to get the work done. So, you know, we are now kind of grappling with that and really trying to have help the pharma industry have a vision adjustment. <laughs> um, between talking about the importance and actually taking meaningful and ample action to do something about it. Nothing else from my end to say because you finished it so well. I thank yeah. you again for, for spending time with us. And folks, take action on what you heard from Dana. Now is the time. Dana, thanks for being with us again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.